All right, guys, good evening. It's good to see you. You feeling good tonight? You sounded good. You sing better than I do. Most people do. Well, welcome to session three of the Spirit-Led Man. Tonight, we're going to talk about fear. We're going to talk about how to overcome fear, how to wrestle with fear. And so the name of tonight's message is the Spirit-Led Man in Fear. As you can probably guess from looking at me, I've never been a basketball player. My five foot seven, five seven on a good day. My five seven frame is not cut out for basketball. So I've always been a wrestler. And so I've wrestled for, for years and years. I started wrestling when I was three years old and wrestled all the way up into my 20s, into college. And I had countless matches. And my first match happened when I was just three, like I said. I, I don't remember the details of it, but based on a picture that I was able to dig out, based on the picture, I wrestled a girl in a red singlet. <laughs> and I won. You can clap. It's okay. You can clap at that. Thank you. <laughs> you know, because if I would have lost, I'm sure that picture would have been lost too. Just all evidence of that would have been gone. But I had so many wrestling matches over the years during my career, and I came to really love the sport. And I was thinking about this not too long ago, and I can honestly say that some of the fiercest wrestling matches I've ever had came with fear. And I have wrestled with fear for much of my life, to be honest with you. From the time I was young, I wrestled with fear. I wrestled with anxiety. And there were times in my life when I felt like I was getting my tail kicked by fear. You know, I like this, that, that wrestling is in the Bible. Did you know that? In Ephesians 6, Paul is talking about wrestling. And he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers of darkness. And this is, this is really interesting, man, because the word that Paul used, the Greek word that he used for wrestling is a word, it's pale. And that word means to wrestle your opponent to the ground where the match is not over until your opponent is on his back and your hand is on his throat. If you look it up in the concordance, that's exactly what it says. It's to wrestle your opponent to the ground and put your hand around his throat for submission. That's the word that Paul used for our wrestling match with darkness. And there were times, there were seasons in my life when I was on my back. And I felt like fear had its hands around my throat. And I didn't know what to do. But God is faithful. God has been faithful. God is faithful. And so what God has taught me over the years is God has taught me how to wrestle with fear and overcome and actually win. And so that's what I want to share tonight. I want to share how do we wrestle with fear? How do we handle fear, overcome fear? Because this is inevitable for us. If we want to be a spirit-led man, if we set our sight on following the Holy Spirit, he will lead us into situations where we have to encounter fear. Would you agree with that? Okay. It's just it's part of what we signed up for. Being a spirit-led man means we're going to have to know how to handle fear. 
fear. And the reason why is because there is a wildness to the Holy Spirit. He's wild. The ancient Celtic Christians had a phrase for the Holy Spirit. They called him the wild goose. And when it, when it came to following the Holy Spirit, they would say, you know, following the Holy Spirit is like chasing a wild goose. Because we don't know where he's leading us, and we don't know where he's going, and it's often filled with uncertainty and mystery, and we've got to hang on for the ride. It's like chasing that wild goose. And it is full of uncertainty. Following the Holy Spirit is an adventure just shrouded with mystery at a lot of times. You know, I like this quote from Mark Batterson. We'll put this on the screen. Uh, Referencing following the Holy Spirit, Mark said, most of us will have no idea where we're going most of the time. And I know that's unsettling. But circumstantial uncertainty also goes by another name, adventure. Isn't that true? That we can look at circumstantial uncertainty and be like, oh, that's so scary. Or we can look at it and say, this is adventure, baby. The Holy Spirit is leading me. And I know this about, about men and about the masculine heart and how God has designed the masculine heart. We need adventure. Because if we don't have adventure, we'll settle into a life of boredom. And the more we, the more we live in boredom, the more dangerous it becomes. You know, Kierkegaard, he was a 19th century theologian, and he had a statement. He said, boredom is the root of all evil. Now, that's a pretty strong statement, but I think there's some truth in what he's saying, that boredom, that, that evil can have a field day in a man's heart who's bored. Think about David, King David. He was wandering aimlessly on the rooftop when he should have been at war. He should have been with his comrades. It was a season of war, but here he was. He stayed home. He was wandering on the top of his palace, bored, and he looked over, and who did he see? Bathsheba, a bored man, fell into the trap. We need adventure. And here's the good news. The Holy Spirit creates it for us. We don't have to manufacture it. If we want to follow the Holy Spirit, he will lead us into the life of adventure. He will keep us on our toes, so to speak, regarding where he's going, what he's doing, and what he has next. And men, if we'll keep a yes in our heart, and if we'll have the courage to simply take the next step, he will lead us into a grand adventure. Now, I think for a lot of men, when it comes to this, this idea of following the Holy Spirit and, and life being an adventure as we, as we set out to follow him into the unknown, I think for a lot of guys, that creates mixed emotions. On a, so part of us, we're excited and we're intrigued, and we want to follow the Holy Spirit into the unknown. And there's another part of us that's afraid because it's so uncertain. And so there's this ambivalence. There's this, this conflicting uh, emotion that's happening inside of us. And what fear will try to do, fear will come to all of us. 
And fear will, will try to get us just to back off a little bit. Fear wants us to either put it into neutral and just say, okay, I'm not quite sure about this. I'm just going to stay here. Or fear will try to get us to put it into reverse and say, okay, no way. I'm going to retreat back to safer ground. So we just have to, we have to know. We have to know this. We have to be ready for this. And I was praying earlier today, and I just, I just sensed the Holy Spirit saying, the timing of this Spirit-led man course is, has been divinely strategic. Not because of me, but because God planned it here. And the reason why is because I believe for many of you, you are about to step into a season when the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into some new ground. And he wants to tell you ahead of time, be ready for fear, because fear is going to rear its ugly head, and you need to be ready for it. Because the Holy Spirit does not want you once he leads you out into this new season for what he has for you. And I believe it's significant. I believe what the Holy Spirit has for you in this next season is significant. If you'll believe him, if you'll trust him. But fear will surely come and say, just hold on. Are you sure? Are you sure? Now, thankfully, God has painted a pretty clear picture for us in the Bible regarding how we should handle fear. So let's look at this. If you do a word study in the scriptures about fear, you'll see some common themes rise to the surface over and over again. And the common theme is that God will speak. God has spoken and he said, do not be afraid for I am with you. And then he says it to the next person. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. And then he says it to the next person. It's like he's really trying to get at something important. We have some of these examples on the screen. Abram and Isaac and Joshua and Isaiah. It's, just, it's a theme in Scripture of God is saying, do not be afraid because I am with you. It's almost like God is trying to make a big deal out of his presence. And I know the tendency for me, I know the tendency for us as men is, is to make a big deal out of our circumstances and out of the mystery and out of the unknown and kind of dismiss the presence of God. Yeah, I know you're with me, but God, there's some scary stuff happening right now. But God is relentless. He will not give up when it comes to redirecting our attention to his presence. I am with you. It's like he leans into us and he's saying right here, lock eyes with me. This is where your focus should be. I am with you. Yes, I know the uncertainty. Yes, I know the mystery. But lock eyes right here, son, and keep your focus right here. I think a great picture of this uh, in the New Testament is with Peter, a story that most of us are familiar with. Peter and the disciples are in the middle of the lake, and it's late at night, and the, the wind is, is strong, and the waves are high. And they look over, and they think they see a ghost. Let's read this, starting in uh, verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Now pause just for a second. I hope we don't get so used to these stories that we just kind of read through them and they don't really impact us. Think about what this is saying. The scriptures are saying a group of manly men, these are rugged men, they're, they're crying out in fear. That would have been quite a sight to see. Because their initial interpretation based on what they were seeing is, this is a ghost. 
And, and they were terrified. So verse 27, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And I think that's something he's still saying. I think Jesus leans into you and he says, come. And you take that step and then you know what he says? Come. And you take another step and what does he say? Come. Come closer. Then Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? So this is a picture. We all know what it feels like to feel like you're out of your comfort zone, to feel like you're out of the boat, so to speak, and you're noticing the wind and the waves and all of the things that are yelling at you why you should be afraid. It's easy to notice those things. And yet Jesus is saying, look here. Peter, look here. Fix your eyes right here. I've been walking with uh, a man uh, in this season of his life, and he's a great man. He's a man that I deeply respect. And he has gone through a trial. It has been brutal for this guy. And he has maintained a love for God in the middle of some very unknown times, unknown circumstances. And Jesus has, has really showed up in the middle of this man's storm in some profound ways. Uh, and one time recently, uh, we were in a time of prayer, and we were praying together. And he was talking about how he was battling fear. And so we just started praying about fear. We started asking the Holy Spirit what he wanted to speak. And in that time of prayer, the Holy Spirit gave me this picture. It was a prophetic picture that he wanted me to share. And the picture was of, of this man standing on this path, this road, with the road going out in front of him. And Jesus was literally standing right in front of him, facing him. So the road was behind Jesus. And Jesus had his arms open. And Jesus wanted his attention. But this man was trying to peer over Jesus' shoulder. He was straining his neck. He's like, yes, I know you're here, but I want to know what's coming. And Jesus, Jesus was trying to get his attention to say, no, right back here. Right back here. And on and on it went with this guy trying to look beyond Jesus to try to get a sense for what was coming down the road. And I think that's a picture of what happens for a lot of us. As men, oftentimes we want to know what's coming down the road. So we can miss Jesus and be distracted by Jesus because of circumstances and because of the mystery, because of the wind and waves. But another way we can miss Jesus is by looking right past him, trying to focus too much on the future. And that's what was happening here. But the more I started to think about that, I realized I do that too. How often am I that person? who's so focused on what might happen down the road that I'm missing the radiant smile of Jesus, which is right before me. And surely Jesus says to every one of us, you know what, don't worry about the future. I'm going to be faithful to you. 
I will surely walk with you every step of the way, and I am going to take care of you. Don't worry about it. Focus right here. But why is it so hard to not look over his shoulder and spend more time looking down the road and trying to figure out what might happen? Do you ever find yourself, do you ever find yourself caught in what-if thinking? Where your brain is trying to get, your brain is trying to predict the future to prepare you for it? And so what if thinking is when you get caught in the cycle of, well, what if that happens? I need to be prepared for it. This is what I need to do. But what if this happens? And what if this happens? And what if? And what if? It's just a crazy cycle. You know, in wrestling, there are certain things you can do that pretty much would guarantee you're going to get pinned. There are certain things in wrestling you don't do because you'd be asking for it. This is something, men, that when we get caught in, in what-if thinking, trying to predict the future, it's like we're asking fear to parlay us. We're, we're setting ourselves up to be run over by a spirit of fear if we won't trust Jesus with the future. Easier said than done, but it's the truth. It's the reality. And Jesus says to all of us, trust me with tomorrow. Walk with me today. Instead of what if, what if, what if, focus on what is. And what is is the reality that the creator of the universe reaches out his hand to you and he reaches out his hand to me and he said, walk with me. Focus on me. And that's his invitation every single day for us. Let him handle tomorrow. Walk with him today. Something else that happened in this story in Matthew 14 of Jesus appearing to the disciples and Peter walking on the water uh, is that Jesus helped the disciples interpret what was really happening. Because again, the disciples made an initial interpretation based on what they were seeing, what they thought was happening. And their interpretation led to fear. And Jesus reinterpreted for them what was truly happening by saying, no, it's me. This is not a ghost. This is me. Now, this is important when it comes to navigating fear because we need Jesus to do this very same thing for us. When we look at circumstances and there's mystery and it's the unknown, naturally we're going to make interpretations based on what we can see. And it's the interpretations that we make that oftentimes cause fear. But Jesus in his beautiful faithfulness will lean into us and say, let me help you interpret what you're seeing. Let me help you with this. And, and this is so interesting because our brains naturally make interpretations all the time. Our brains are constantly just gathering data and information and processing it and making interpretations. And then we, we make decisions based on those interpretations. And most of the time, we don't even think about it. It's subconscious. We're not even aware of it. So, for example, recently, I heard I was, I was in a deep sleep. But I, I woke up and I heard a loud noise downstairs. It was a loud banging noise. And my half-awake interpretation was somebody's trying to break in our house. And so I get up out of bed and I step over our watchdog, or a golden doodle puppy who was sleeping. <laughs> really fierce watchdog. It's like, I'll take this one. Don't worry about it. You just keep sleeping. 
And my interpretation based on what I was hearing is okay. It's, it's, it's time. It's time to get ready. This is happening. It sounded so real. It sounded like it was l- like literally in the house. Well, come to find out it was the wind. But what a difference that interpretation made. Because if I would have interpreted that correctly right away, I would have rolled over and went right back to sleep. But because of my wrong interpretation, my heart was racing, my hands were sweaty, and I I was ready to wrestle. And so this is something that we have to be aware of, that our brains naturally are making, is processing what we're seeing, uh, and then we're interpreting things, and that's causing a lot of fear. And then from that fear, we usually will try to predict what will happen again in the future. It's like that cycle. You know, Mark Twain has has a famous quote. I like this quote. Mark Twain said, I have lived through some terrible things in life, some of which have actually happened. (laughs) Isn't that true? Right? We're making these interpretations, then we predict what might happen, then we spend so much time in that what-if world. When Jesus, like, there's a much better way. Slow down and let me help you with some interpretations. And this is happening really over and over again throughout Scripture. If you think about Joseph, Mary and Joseph, imagine what that would have been like for Joseph the day he found out Mary was pregnant, realizing that it wasn't him. Think about the emotions that he experienced. The betrayal, the sadness, the fear, the uncertainty of what do I do now? How else, how else could, have he, could he have interpreted that? The love of my life is pregnant and it wasn't me. But God leans into him and the angel Gabriel shows up. Why? To help him interpret what's happening. To help him interpret the true story that God is writing. And the angel said, Joseph, don't be afraid. Because what has been conceived in Mary is actually from the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid to take her home as your wife. He needed that interpretation, didn't he? And then for Mary, here's Mary, this young woman, probably scared out of her mind, thinking, what are people going to think? I'm going to become this shameful woman. I didn't do this. And God leans into her and said, Mary, don't be afraid. You've actually found favor, and the child within you is going to be the Messiah. You talk about a needed interpretation. And if we look closely at the scriptures, God is always doing this because the plain fact is we as human beings need help interpreting what we're experiencing in life. And it's a dang good thing we have a God who's more than happy to help us to do just that. So here's what will happen. This is the key for navigating fear. What I've learned in my life is, number one, find Jesus in the storm. Lock eyes with him. Focus on him. And sometimes when I'm afraid, I'll slow down and I'll name the reality that I'm feeling fear. I won't deny it. I won't ignore it. I'll say, God, I'm feeling fear. I'm feeling afraid. Where are you here? Jesus, where are you here? Because I want to center myself on the reality of his presence. And then the second thing is I try to let him speak into the situation. I try to catch myself before I make all of these interpretations and come to all of these conclusions about what I'm seeing. I say, Jesus, help me to interpret this. What are you saying about this situation? And then the third thing 
that I try to do consistently is then, once he has spoken into that situation, I take hold of what he has said, and I have to renew my mind around the truth, or I will forget it. Find Jesus in the storm. Let him speak to you, and then cling to it, and renew your mind around the truth of what he has spoken one of the more memorable examples, and I'll begin to bring it in for a landing with this, this story. One of the more memorable examples of this, uh, this process of Jesus showing up in, in the storm and speaking and then me having to renew my mind happened a couple of years ago. And some of the backstory uh, to this is I, I had signed up for the Leadville 100, which is the 100-mile ultramarathon up in the mountains near Leadville. I had no idea what I was getting into. And it took me a long time before I pushed that button to say, yes, I'll do this. And I spent a lot of time in prayer. But one of the key things in that season of praying, God, is this crazy or is this a good idea? I heard the Holy Spirit so clearly say, Gabe, this is going to be an adventure. And I want to take this journey with you. So that right there, he was interpreting, he was helping me to interpret what I was about to step into. This isn't, he was saying, this is not about whether you finish or not. This is about you and me in the context of friendship and intimacy, stepping into this adventure together. Fast forward a couple months, I, had, I was training and I was taking this very seriously. And naturally, I started to focus a little bit less on the spiritual journey with Jesus and more on what do I need to do to finish I want to finish this. I want to do this. And so I started to slip a little bit from the initial invitation to simply walk with God and take this adventure with God. And on one particular night, I was on this training run, and I noticed that there were some storm clouds in the, off on the horizon. But they were, they were a distance away, and I thought, you know, this, is, this is nothing to be concerned about. But they started to approach quickly. And with every passing glance over my shoulder, I realized they were getting closer and closer. And before I knew it, I was closed in on all sides. I was exposed on this ridge with really nowhere to hide. And I was scared. Because this was a monstrous storm. It was the loudest thunder I've ever heard. I mean, it was the kind of thunder that you can just feel reverberate so deep in your bones. And it felt like it was happening right over my head. I felt like my head was like stuck in the pit of a, a bowling alley just over and over again. And I'm like, oh, my interpretation was, this is where I'm going to die right here. This is it. I'm about to become a, a human matchstick. My head is just going to go as this lightning hits me. And, and I, again, I was terrified. I'll admit it. And I was about two miles away from, from home. And so I didn't, I didn't know any other options. So I just took off running as fast as I could through the sheets of rain. And I found just enough breath to say, God, help me. And I didn't hear anything. And I just kept running, waiting, waiting for the moment when I was struck by lightning. Somewhere along the way, I remembered, wait a minute. Jesus said he wanted to take this adventure with me. That means he is here with me. I didn't feel super spiritual, but I just, I just came to believe, 
even though I don't feel him, even though I feel alone, even though I feel swallowed up by fear, I believe Jesus is with me in this moment. And then I heard him. In the middle of this, in the middle of the thunder and the craziness of this storm, Jesus spoke, and this is what he said. Now this is what I call an adventurer. (laughs) And I knew it was him. Like I said last week, there are certain times you just recognize that's him. And he said it kind of, uh, he said it, it seemed like he had a smile on his face. Like he was thoroughly enjoying himself. I'm glad somebody was in the moment because I wasn't. And so he said, this is what I call an adventure. And my first response was, okay, maybe I'm not going to die. If Jesus is calling this an adventure, then maybe I am going to survive this. And as I continued to, to run, I started thinking more and more about what he, what he had said. Okay, this is an adventure. This is okay. This, this could even be fun. He was interpreting this for me. He was reframing it for me. And I noticed that fear started to loosen its grip on my soul. Just one resistant finger at a time. But a few moments later, an even louder thunder-lightning combo struck. And my feet literally came off the ground as I flinched. And the fear was back worse than ever. And I totally forgot about what he said. And the fear was back. And so for the, the final mile, I, I ran just as fast as my little bow-legged limbs would take me. And I came barreling up the driveway, and I punched in the garage code. And I, I literally, this is no exaggeration, I dove under the garage code, or under the garage door as it was coming up. And I walked inside, and I was soaking wet. And my wife came to the door, and she looked like she had seen a ghost. Because she said, I was terrified that you were out in this. And out of breath and hunched over, I said, honey, now that was an adventure. (laughs) That was an adventure. And part of the reason I want to close with this story is because Jesus, he showed up in the middle of the fear. And he did interpret that for me. He spoke into that. But I think it's, it's much bigger than just that one story. Because there have been other times, not when I was running, not when I was training, but other times in my life when I've been wrestling with fear based on following the Holy Spirit. And there have been other times he has showed up to me and he said, isn't this an adventure? Because he was he's wanting to... He's wanting to remind me of something that's true about following Christ. Because it's easy to kind of settle into this expectation. It's like, okay, life is stressful. You might be afraid. And yet I think Jesus is wanting to say, don't forget that this is an adventure. And what I sensed earlier today in a time of prayer, I was praying over you and just asking God what, what he was wanting to speak to you and what he was doing in your life. And, and I just really believe that what the Holy Spirit was saying is that there are some men who are going to be in here, that are going to be here, who have lost sight that it's an adventure. 
Maybe fear and stress has caused you to look at this journey in a different way. And maybe you've lost some of the passion. You've lost some of the intrigue. But I believe God is wanting to reignite something in your heart. He's wanting to stir something within you in a fresh way to say, you know what, this life, yes, there's uncertainty. Yes, fear is involved. Yes, stress is involved. Not denying all of this. But don't forget, this is an adventure. And I believe Jesus is saying, will you just keep a yes in your heart? And will you continue to come back to the reality that this really is an adventure that the Holy Spirit wants to take us on? So I want to encourage you just to close your eyes and let's just have a few moments here. I want to encourage you just to process this. Have you lost sight in your life as you reflect on where you're at and your walk with God? Have you lost sight of the reality that it's supposed to be an adventure? That God wants to keep you on your toes? And if so, are you willing in a fresh way to just say, Jesus, once again, I want to say yes to following you. I want to say yes to whatever you have because I trust that you're good. I trust that you know what you're doing. And I believe he's asking that question. Will you follow me, even if you don't know where we're going? And I believe what he would say to each of us is, if you'll follow, if you'll take the next step with me, It'll be better than you have imagined. Yes, there will be fear. Yes, there will be mystery. But he will lead you to where you could never get to by yourself. So God, we pray that you would awaken some things inside of us. Open our eyes in a fresh way to see the adventure that you, you call us to. The adventure of following you, keeping in step with you, loving you along the way, letting you love us along the way, getting to know you. And Father, thank you for your presence. It's true, we don't have to be afraid because you are literally with us. So open our eyes to see you in a fresh way. Open our ears to hear your voice in a fresh way. And God, we ask for a fresh deposit of your courage so that we can follow you into the unknown. In Jesus' name, amen.